0: Welcome back, Flight Super Friday podcast listeners! Excited to uh, be here, Ryan. Greetings, greetings.
1: A harsh fireside chats. A harsh fireside again. chats. Hey this man, we have some story people with us too.
0: I know. Hey, tell uh, tell our listeners before we dive into our uh, interview. What did you get to do today? Oh, I did some sweet surf ops over in Clatsop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Shumell
1: is newly qualified IP, so he let me have the right seat. And uh, it was awesome. Actually, you, I flew with you, so he got out of the plane, so I could jump in the right. I seat. I let up.
0: you have the right seat, kind so of. What you're trying to yeah. tell me? Yeah, yeah, you did great. It was, by the way, I was
1: crying the whole time because you know the the instructor feedback was terrifying, harsh. Yeah, when you have two instructors in the plane, it's just just agonizing because you're just getting roasted by everybody.
0: <laughs> it was definitely a rare uh, day. I felt like in October in the Columbia River, it was sunny. It was twelve footers. It was beautiful and everybody was having fun. So yeah, I hope better than the
1: rest of the week when we're coming back, special VFR with like a serious on final and centers like, uh, if can you wait about seven minutes? And Derek is like, well, in about eight minutes we're going to
0: be declaring emergency fuel. So yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, uh, with all this uh, going on, why don't we get started? Um, clearly, we're just getting sidetracked over here. We got to get into the real good meat and potatoes. We got two pilots we're gonna talk to from uh, Sector Columbia River, but hopefully soon Air Station Astoria. So um, without further ado, let's get started.
2: Oh, that was for Big Iron, wasn't
0: it? Oh,
1: definitely. Iron so yeah, so com- are we starting with the meat or the potatoes? It comes
0: right out. Big Iron, right off the top. I was like,
2: oh, Iron Man. Oh, I know. Oh.
0: oh. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? No. Okay, good. Kyle, can you introduce yourselves to our listeners? I am Kyle. Okay. <laughs> uh,
3: no. We're going to be chatty. <laughs> Super chatty tonight. Uh, Kyle Bertoluzzi. Um, you picked two pilots that just got to Sector Columbia River, so we'll see what questions we can answer for you to tell you how, I guess, the air station operates. Yeah, but we've only been here for a couple months. so That's
2: a good caveat to throw out. We yeah. are we are newbies to Astoria.
3: Sam and I really do our research and pick
1: our guests with a lot of foresight and yeah. thought. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Uh,
0: where where you been, Kyle? Where are you from?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Background. Um, so graduated from the Coast Guard Academy 2011. Uh, went to a 110-foot patrol boat on Cape Cod. And then decided to apply for flight training, went down to Pensacola for flight training and then went back to Cape Cod for my first aviation tour and then got picked up for engineering and retoured Cape Cod (laughs) and then uh, just transferred this year to Astoria.
0: How's it feel to be out of the state of Massachusetts?
3: Absolutely terrifying.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you from, uh, where are you from? Florida. Florida. Okay.
3: Awesome. But wife's from Rhode Island, so.
0: Close, close enough. Uh, Welcome. Thanks. And we also have Jane Pena and uh, repeat.
3: Repeat. That's right.
2: We still I must want, not yeah. have done too terribly on the first time We, still or want, you're to hear your,
0: we want to hear your background
2: again. Okay. I have all, pre- over I have appreciate. Again. all Last right.
1: time you forgot to tell us that you were 60 pilot, so yeah.
2: That is, uh, yeah. did I? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Sam had to well, correct Well, It was Sism. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh that, which is why you guys are here to uh-huh. keep me on track. Uh-huh. Uh yep. So uh joined the Coast Guard via OCS in uh two thousand and eight, went to sector Delaware Bay in Philadelphia, where I did Port Waterwind's coastal security. Cool. Carried a gun, a lot of fun. Uh, and then it was flight school. <laughs> it's true. Flight school, uh, Elizabeth city, Kodiak, uh, ATC mobile, where I spent some time with one, Sam Haffensteiner and one Ryan Vander Hei.
4: Nice. Uh,
2: and then got picked up for safety out at of ATC, which was awesome. And, uh, now I'm at sector Columbia river as the flight safety officer.
0: Nice. Yeah. So you two are drinking uh, some tasty beverages. What do we got over oh, there? It's so good.
2: Oh, yeah. You want to start with yours? Uh, I do. So, Elysian Night Owl, which is a pumpkin ale, and I apologize to no one. It's delicious. Yeah, I love that, pumpkin ales. That
1: sounds got good. got a sweet,
3: uh, sweet label, too. Right? Yeah. Very nice. I have the Fort George uh, Sunrise OPA, Oatmeal Pale Ale. It's very it's good. It's delicious.
1: That's what I've got, too. Yeah. Mm. I
3: don't so know what about I have. Uh, Some, something Pink.
0: Pink.
1: Just
3: Sam, like
2: Sam, uh, our listeners should know that Sam brought a beverage just for himself and a yeah. oh, yeah. single
0: beverage. Well, you know what? I don't know if I like 60 people, so I didn't bring wow. any beer. Um, mm. actually that's my first question. Uh, no thoughts behind this immediate <laughs> reaction. What do you think of 65 people? Go
2: you guys are and I actually mean this. You guys are incredible pilots that are forced to fly something that is run by gerbils <laughs> and plastic. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. everybody could I, see you just <laughs> eating, uh, <so. laughs> uh, No, actually I, I enjoyed the heck out of my time at ATC and and honestly part of it was was getting to hang out with the 65 Bubba's because I, I find that it's really fun to make fun of each other. But then as soon as a fixed winger walks in the room, it's it's rotary all the uh, way. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I really one team, one enjoy. Fight. Yeah, really enjoy that. Yeah,
3: we got to keep them down. I maintain the same stance. You all have to uh, fly at the edge of the envelope for the tool that you've been provided a lot more frequently than we do. So it's very respectable.
0: You guys make fun of us though. I hope 100%. Okay, okay.
3: good. Yeah. 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 But really not as much (laughs) as 65 pilots make fun of themselves. I've heard plastic fantastic from more 65 pilots than I have from 60 pilots. Oh yeah. That is true. Maybe that's a term of endearment. I may have muttered that under
1: my breath trying to leave.
3: Latte the other day. <laughs> <laughs> that was harrowing. Yeah. That was. I guarded 10.0 three yeah.
0: times this week already. So we're doing good. We're doing good. Yeah, it's a good plane. Yeah. 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 I can't complain. Um, Are you still calling it dirty Delta? It's the dirty D.
1: Okay. Yeah. Ryan's D. an echo guy. I like but that. Well, I'm yeah. flying both, man. So. That's true. I can
2: kind of jump back and forth. How do you um, like the button pushing that goes with that echo?
1: Oh, you know, I just <laughs> figure that everything's a visual maneuver. So. I don't really button push everything
2: I just, I even inside. like your IFR flying. Yeah, is a visual Yeah, it's also a visual maneuver, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that worries me a bit.
3: <laughs> just got to squint harder. That is definitely <laughs> good. Go.
0: Good training right there. Um, so you came back from ATC mobile to the fleet. So how, yeah. how's that transition for you?
2: It was great. Um, it's really nice not to have to do a DPR after every single flight, <laughs> mm. right? Yeah. Like practically speaking, I will say it took me a second to get back in the swing of duty, mm-hmm. uh, packing 24 hours worth of food, um, uh, flying with co-pilots. Right. So like at ATC, as you guys know, we don't let those guys hoist at night. That's crazy talk. We let the units deal with that. Mm -hmm. Well, now, now I'm there. I'm not an IP yet. Uh, I, I, I hope to be soon, but, um, you know, now, now I'm the unit that has to like upgrade a co-pilot through like a right seat skills night hoisting. And, uh, so that's kind of a different beast, right? Um, so that's, that's been really fun, but it's, it's been super fun to fly with like co-pilots and first pilots and kind of feel like I have some knowledge to impart maybe a little bit,
0: just a wee bit, a bit. Yeah. Are you an IP Kyle?
3: Uh, not here. I was at Cape Cod. Yeah.
0: What do you think of the right seat skills, uh, flights, those first night hoisting flights with a co-pilot?
3: Um, I was surprised on my first one, uh, the first night one and, uh, the day one's uh, pretty straightforward. I think I had, uh, just good enough weather where things were pretty benign, Mm -hmm. but we were, uh, primarily I think every experience I've had has been hoisted to a 47 on the right seat skills, syllabus upgrade flights. Mm-hmm. Um, I take that back. I had, did have one and it was the one at night and we got to, uh, a DIW with the basket on deck. And then eventually I don't remember what the winds were, but enough to where we don't want to accept the crosswind or a tailwind if we don't have to. And, uh, eventually I had to talk the co-pilot on a couple attempts to getting that vessel, um, directly underneath us. So no. I wasn't expecting that that night, kind of something that surprised me.
0: Yeah, any tips for uh, IPs going out to do right seat skills or tips for co-pilots about to go into it?
3: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, How do you
0: prepare for uh, a flight like that? Because, I mean, that's something different than what Ryan and I and and then Jane used to do at Mobile. You know, we fly with first uh, timers, but that first time over the boat, I think, is as if not more significant for sure.
3: Yeah. I'd, I'd say for anybody instructing it, um, don't ever be complacent. You'll, you'll get surprised, um, at some point. And I routinely get surprised just sometimes on RTs. Uh, and sometimes I surprise myself, uh, embarrassingly enough, but in terms of the, maybe the pilot under instruction, I'd say like repetition, there's no substitute for chair flying it. And that sounds so simple. Cause it's something that we all did in flight training. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh, just, I don't need to chair fly anymore, but I think there's a lot of benefit to chair flying. If you go through rescue checklist part two and say it a hundred times over an OPA, an oatmeal pale ale. Um, it's going to cement some good habit patterns for you to leverage when you're a little bit stressed over the boat. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. just,
2: that's that much more brain power that you can devote to the stick skills. Right. Right. Which you can't really practice outside the plane. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, uh, it's a super good bit of advice, I think. Yeah.
1: And even more experienced guys, when we were doing buildup week last week and first time, out in the surf in a little while, the first hoist, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I have to I have to do all these wrist check part two things. Yeah. Okay, cool, you know, because my brain was just working harder, looking outside or trying to stay in one spot or new environment, lots of stimuli. So that's great advice, even for experienced guys, you know.
3: Well, I, I will offer, I remember when I was going through right seat skills, at one point, the instructor pilot talked with uh, the crew in the back. I don't know if he got them on private or whatever, but I'm just sitting there trying to focus on hovering during the day um, over the water. And they just waited for me to say rescue checklist part two. And I don't know how long <laughs> went by this is something you probably couldn't do from a fuel management standpoint, but we were just sitting there and I'm just hovering, just waiting. Just <laughs> having a good day. <laughs> just for like an indefinite amount You're of like, time. They're, they're definitely not waiting on me. Yeah. They, they can't be waiting on me. And then eventually somebody prompted me. I don't remember who, but probably the flight neck. Yeah.
2: Probably they're the good Nick. about that.
3: Yeah, like, so what are we doing? Yeah. So where are we going? That going was a on? good one. Course rules. NAS Whiting Field. So where are we going right now? And you knew oh, immediately. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. the right way. No idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> let, me, let me pop the speed brake real quick. At yeah. Three hundred
0: knots. We'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, what's it like flying in Astoria?
2: Oh man, it's great. It's um, you don't have to worry so much about thunderstorms, but That's you got to nice. worry about other stuff now, right? Yeah. So like you're back. I'm for me. Uh, you know, coming out of Kodiak, I'm back in the land of icing. And where, you know, wintertime comes and you don't want to go high uh, because of icing, but then low and you got the mountains that that can reach up and get you. Mm -hmm. So um, that was another, and this is true, I think, you know, obviously of anyone who PCS is, but that new unit and the new hazards that are associated with it and the new AOR. And um, I should remember this. I don't remember hoisting to a 47 very much, if at all, previous. Uh, Elizabeth city, we had an ox boat, like a 28 foot ox boat that we mostly hoisted to. And then we had a bunch of boat stations up and down the coast and there were for sure 47s. So I definitely hoisted to them before, but it's been years and years. Mm -hmm. So that's, there's a lot of stuff that can reach up and grab you Mm -hmm. on a, on a 47
1: and they bounce around all over the place. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they do. So, um, just all those, all those new hazards, you know, and then learning the different weather patterns wherever you're at. Right. So we got, I got super used in mobile that it would sort of come, uh, kind of from like the Southwest to the Northeast was really common. And then the hurricanes would come, but you know, or you'd put up, not even the hurricanes, but just the thunderstorms, you'd put up your weather radar, uh, and you can get around that pretty, pretty quick or you land and it's over in 20 minutes. Right. Um, and that's like not, not a thing anymore. Right. So, learning the new weather patterns is always something that I try to pay attention to at a new spot.
0: Do the two of you feel comfortable flying around here now? You feel like you got a good gauge on marine layer and,
3: um, uh, I'll be interested to see what happens this winter. Um, we had a pretty significant marine layer on the East coast. Um, but it it would become predictable and you could actually see it on the satellite images oftentimes and it loiter just south, uh, the South shore, like long Island and the islands and Massachusetts. And then as the temperature dropped, when the sun went down, you just see it creep forward and it could catch you, but you could kind of anticipate a little bit, um, every now and then you get surprised here. I've, it seems to be a lot more persistent when the sun's up where it's still, you know, it's not burning off maybe as quickly as, uh, as you would have expected. And it doesn't move as much and it moves into all these inlets and bays significantly miles inland on the river. Mm-hmm. Um, which I found pretty surprising. In terms of comfort level, I'd be curious to see uh, the icing layers and how frequently we're looking at it this fall and winter. Um, other than that, though, the mountain flying, slowly getting comfortable with it, that took a, a little bit to mm-hmm. uh, acclimate to. We had mountains up in Maine, they don't compare to what's Any, out here in Anyone from West coast. the West
2: Coast is laughing right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were like
3: two hours away. And so, you know, the frequency that you were actually going to just feel what the wind was doing downwind of those was non-existent. Um, I believe they started doing a training program, but even that it's not, it's not as frequent as what you can see out here just in the backyard.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Tillamook uh, head near where the air station is comes up to what, a thousand feet or 1200 feet. Something like that.
3: Yep. You're looking up at cars that are driving. the. I'm comfortable down at 300 feet and 120 knots. And you're looking up like, Oh man, those are cars up there. We were coming back from a and I didn't realize what the lights were on the mountain. So, Um, yeah,
0: What's the town like? Good place to live?
2: Town's great. I'm I'm actually down in Seaside. Okay. So uh me me and Ops and uh Brad Davis, who's a new AC from Clearwater this hmm. year, we we camped out in Seaside. Uh which is really cool. It's it's interesting, I think. I don't know, maybe Berto has more experience with this being from back into Cape. Uh but the the tourist town thing is kind of interesting, right? So the summertime population, yeah. I don't know, triples, quadruples, probably not that, but gets significantly higher. And then in the wintertime, it's kinda like you feel like maybe more of a local. Um, so commuting is different depending on the time of year, <laughs> but seaside, seaside's a great spot. Um, Berto's up here in, in Warrington. Warrington. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and there's also no back roads if I'm not mistaken. Not re- you got so 101. You have 101 That's it. So you have
2: 101, and then there's like Lewis and Clark road, which will, it oh, will yeah. cut you through. It's about, I don't know, 10 minutes longer. And again, this is, you were talking about like, we kind of need to winter over here and really learn our AOR. Um, I've been told Lewis and Clark road just doesn't get a whole lot of sun in the winter time. So the ice can get really bad depending on the temperature. So I haven't experienced that yet, but,
4: mm.
3: uh, Warrington's not bad. I like it. Um, yeah, we're starting to get established. It's a different feel than being, you know, an hour outside of Boston. You know, we're about 55 minutes outside of Boston. So that's a little bit different, definitely different than, um, Cape Cod, but I really like it. The, uh, um, fishing out here is phenomenal so far. Hope, hopefully getting a lot more outdoor uh, opportunities, hiking uh, once it gets warm again. So excited.
1: Sam's got an hour and a half commute, so he doesn't really care. Oh, that's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Pensacola is nice, though. It's nice. <laughs>
1: yeah, good. Kind of sweet place, you do have so. a good setup over there. It does. It's a nice place. Yeah, he hides it well. He doesn't tell anybody
3: about
2: yeah. it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been to your Pensacola setup, actually.
0: No, you you've
1: been,
2: you've been over. hiding. Technically
3: it. a bungalow.
0: Yeah, it's bungalow. To all the listeners. It's a, yep. a you invited over to the same house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> bungalow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, our cases. Jane, you recently had one here too, where you put two swimmers down to a boat and had I a. I
2: did. That was my first Astoria case That was not like, uh, you know, surfer in distress, getting stood down five minutes later type mm-hmm. of a deal. Uh, it was, it was a real good one. Um, so, uh, we got launched on a sailboat. It was 90 miles offshore. It was 130 miles from Astoria. Wow. Um, and, uh, head injury. She was unconscious at the time of the call. So flight surgeon, uh, needed her. Well, not the, so the flight surgeon said, you know, a thousand feet altitude limit when you're bringing her back Mm -hmm. and going out. Um, well ops ops gave me a call and said, Hey, um, You know, you could, you can have a swimmer, like another swimmer, or you can have like a life flight nurse, which is like, that's kind of a new thing for me as well. Oh yeah. Uh, We had the AMS program in Kodiak, which was awesome. Um, But so that was, oh, I kind of had to think about that. And, and, you know, it was like, do I want someone who can give care in the aircraft? Do I want someone who can leave the aircraft? Mm -hmm. So we elected, uh, we elected to bring an extra swimmer, which ended up being a great choice because I don't think a life flight nurse was available anyways. Uh, But we took um, Colton Courtway. And Adam Via were were my swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um and uh went out uh to the sail vest, saline vessel, got on scene, seas were uh eight to nine feet with like fifteen foot swells. Mm-hmm. So like n- not nothing. Um we did launch while well, we still had about two hours of daylight. And that was kind of my first thought once we got on scene was like thank goodness that i've got daylight because if i was doing this at night like holy cow yeah. right Yeah. um just uh, oof, i was glad that that was the case so we're on scene um it's a 50 foot saline vessel 55 80 foot mast maybe mm-hmm. these are the classic these, yeah i should have brushed up on my own case before i came designed to to for hoisting yeah, yeah exactly for hoisting. Absolutely. oh absolutely and then with the seas yep. right they're like it's like rocking and rolling and uh, I had Rob Walker as my flight mech and Luke Montion was my, my co-pilot. So super great crew. Um, so we're there. We're on scene. Winds are um, 45 n- knots off the nose, which was mm-hmm. like kind of great. Cause we could like, I took a bunch of gas. We took 55, a uh, hundred pounds when we took off thinking that that would um, get us all the way to Portland's hospital and then back home.
0: For our sixty-five listeners, or my my mom, really, what? How much time is fifty-five? Yeah, tons no, of gas? you're, yeah,
2: absolutely. So that gives us eh, five hours and a bit. Okay, five, five hours. hours and a bit.
0: Yeah, your butt hurts after that.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Tactically, pain.
0: I have a lot of questions about peeing in the aircraft. Do just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- tactical dehydration. <laughs> I had to get out earlier. <laughs> it was just a, an hour and a half flight. <laughs>
2: So we're, we're on scene We're we can, we can come into a hover right next to the vessel uh, with good power margins because of the wind, which was mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and so uh, looking at this thing and I'm just like, and I, I was talking, we were talking as a crew on the way out and I said, Hey guys, um, I've been to a couple of sailing vessels and I haven't been able to hoist to a single one of them, right? Every time we've had to put the person in the water. Uh, and uh, so our swimmers kind of took a look and said, Hey, why don't, why don't you do a, Smad poo deployment, which you guys might be more familiar with. There you go,
0: Smad poo.
2: A Smad poo, right? So all these acronyms. I was are really getting hoping that you wouldn't call me out on that. It. Like, <laughs> why would you call me out on that? Uh, it was a mad poo.
0: <laughs> Got it. Got it.
2: I was trying to think.
0: <laughs> a swimmer mad poo. Is that what?
3: It, <laughs> is that what we're going with? Yeah. You guys are the worst. <laughs> It I was, thought you just brought up something and you're all ATC I'm like this is new I was yeah.
0: waiting to hear
3: what it mad I was gonna say
2: sad poo and then I was like no they're swimmers it's a mad poo and
1: officially boom. in the TTP oh my god yeah.
3: okay <laughs> go you're on the worst. <laughs> you did this can sp- get edited out it's fine this will be
2: edited out yeah. <laughs> it definitely it definitely won't be I feel like Start I know over. Sam and it's Ryan it won't poo. be It was a mad mad mad
3: poo, mad poo. Got it.
2: Which is where for our those of you playing along at home, uh, it's not like a defined. It's a defined recovery, right? But uh, so we sent both swimmers down at the same time just to kind of expedite, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Deployed them upswell of the vessel. We had um, the vessel toss over a seat cushion to kind of see what currents and winds were doing. That's Um, a cool idea. Super helpful. That's not the first time I've done it. Um, We I had a case in Elizabeth City where we had to get people off of a sailing vessel. And so to figure out the best point to pre position our swimmer in the water, we had them chuck over a seat cushion. So you kind of see where that seat cushion goes and you go, okay, that's where they're going to go. And you put your swimmer, uh, right there. And like so it. that was kind of yeah. great. And actually, but so in this case, the seat cushion just kind of hung out and then like slowly drifted away. So we're like, all right, it's not a whole lot going on. So we deployed our swimmers up swell. They got right onto the boat. It was great. Um, Oh, you know what? Okay, so they're on the boat. We'll pause it there cuz I have to call out Luke Montion for like the greatest PR co-pilot radio calls I've ever heard in my life. So, we're <laughs> he's there. Got practice. He's yeah. He's Good great. Radio voice. He's great. So, we're we're in the hover and we're looking and we're just like, "We we are not sure what's going to go on because we have to get this person in a litter." Yep. And we cannot hoist to this vessel, yep. which means she's going in a litter into the water.
3: Terrifying, by the way. Oh, oh.
2: Terrifying terrifying. Plus she's already injured.
0: How big was the sea state again?
2: I mean, uh, 10 what did I say? 8 to 9 foot waves with probably 12 foot swells. Like gross. not Yeah, yeah gross. What
1: well, what she was about to say was not that bad, which means that you've already become accustomed to the West Coast. Yeah, there. yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's like okay, everybody else was like hey!
2: it was calm. Ugh. Yeah. No, def- definitely not. All right, so what
1: did
0: he
2: say? So, they well, so we're in the hover and I'm I'm obviously I say that I'm trying to fast forward through the story, which I'm not at all. Uh, But we're in the hover for probably like, I mean, it felt like 20 minutes, which meant it was probably like 12, uh, but like a decent amount of time. And so we're telling these people, hey, we need you to steer this course. We're going to be sending the swimmers down. We're going to be doing this, that and the other. We need you to be ready. Please, please throw a a line over the side to help them on. Please throw the seat cushion. We're we're talking. And they come, Okay, sounds good. Um, How are you going to get her off this boat? And we didn't know at that point and Luke, we have a plan. Don't worry without <laughs> skipping a beat. You know what this guy says? He goes, uh, we're going to be sending down rescue swimmers. Please take direction from them. Oh, that's nice. amazing. Wow. Which Ooh, my answer dumb. would have been like, Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I
2: don't know. <laughs> so I <A> long <laughs> silence call out to Luke for like the most baller answer I've ever heard. Yeah. So swimmers are on board. Uh, we get into the orbit because despite what you guys think, we do have to save gas sometimes. Um, they're, They call up and they say, well, we think we can hoist to this vessel. We think we've got a spot. And Rob Walker and I are kind of like, but we're going to try, right? We get into the hover. We try. Mast is two inches outside my window freaking me out. I'm lost target. It's no, no bueno. Can't do it. So we, we, we spent a lot longer. I was so happy. I took as much gas as we did because we spent so much longer on scene than I thought because we were doing everything we could to avoid putting this woman in the water in a litter. Yeah. Uh, which couldn't do it. So, uh, we had to, but we had to get the litter on board. Right. So we had, uh, the swimmers asked Rob to go ahead and put it together in the cabin. And as a crew, we decided that we were going to indirect delivery of the litter. Mm -hmm. So, um, hooked the trail line to the litter, uh, flew over the sailing vessel, which I felt confident I could just fly by it. Right. Um, delivered the trail trail line to the swimmers and, uh, then deployed the litter, which it doesn't have like a, altitude restriction like our pump does. But of course we don't want to damage it. So I think uh, we came down to maybe, I think Rob pushed it out maybe 20, 25 over the highest swell or something like that. Uh, So they they haul it in. We get back into the orbit. They package her up. Uh, One of the swimmers hops in to the water first. Good on you,
0: by the way, for doing that method. I've never heard of anybody kicking a rescue device besides the pump, obviously out the door like that. I don't know if I would have thought of To be honest, I like hadn't that.
2: either. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of, we, we came up with it as a crew, like for sure. Like Rob is a super experienced uh, flight mech. So mm-hmm. it was awesome to have him on, on the crew uh, and to be able to just talk to somebody and bounce ideas off of. And and Luke was doing a great job as well. He's a new co-pilot. Doesn't mean he can't bring anything to the table. Uh, mm-hmm. Poor Luke though, he's... He's gone out on a couple of cases now and he's seen like a bunch of non standard stuff every single time, <laughs> which I tell all the young pilots like, we we practice two standards so often so that we can deviate from it when we have to and he's just just going, stay on yeah, the same right. page. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's well. like, sure. Yeah, you're Link. just a really non standard uh, pilot.
0: What do the swimmers think of that evolution and tone it back in? It was um, great.
2: I mean, yeah. they definitely had to work, right? Because you've got this like longer, a lot of drag in the water, mm. but it worked. It worked yeah. fine. Um, and that seemed like the best and safest way to get it on. Um, so one swimmer hops in the water. She's packaged up. She regains consciousness some at some point, which I got really excited about because I'm like, basket? Which I guess we couldn't have gotten it on anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, they, they put her in the litter. One hops in. They... They put her over the side and, and as gently as you can, you try to lower it in. But we saw, I mean, everybody just saw her sort of go under and then come immediately back up. And Oof. for those of you that don't know, the litter sort of floats, uh, vertical in the water, uh, with like maybe your nose barely above the waves. It's, it looks terrifying. super uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. absolutely.
0: I did not know that. I thought it floated flat.
2: Oh, if you kind of float really? up and down, I mean, correct I'm me if pretty I'm sure wrong. The
3: buoyancy is just up around the shoulders and the neck. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I'm good. Um, thanks, got yourself so.
3: Bobbing around. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks.
2: So uh second swimmer hops in, um, they move, they move the survivor away from the vessel and then we, we recover everybody from the water and, uh, mm-hmm. book it to Portland. Um, which at this point had been probably an hour on scene longer than I had planned. So, um, got to OHSU in Portland, landed on the pad, offloaded the patient, Went to Portland International, shut down, got gas, came back home. We got launched. Literally, takeoff time was 1600 on the offgoing duty day, which is when we change. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we landed at 10 30 or 11 at night that day.
3: Wow. I, was, I think well, I was oncoming. Yeah, night. you might have been. As you said that, I think I remember you got called out and just thinking, oh, wow. What I'm was just gonna yeah. sit back and BJV tonight. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what was the pickup? Uh, was it simple?
2: Was he um, just pick up
0: her on her own?
2: Pick up was easy. Pick up was simple. Um, We we just picked up the litter the first mm-hmm. and then it was a mad poo recovery of the swimmers. Oh, you got them both at the same nice. time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Nice. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that, that, and that was, yeah, it was a good case. That's, a good case.
0: that's awesome.
2: It's that's a yeah. good one.
1: A lot of out of the box thinking there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that that kind of, to me, like embodies Coast Guard rescues. Like, I mean, how often, I mean, how often have we gone on scene and done everything standard, typical as per the dash? Not, mm-hmm. not that we're not doing things as per the dash one, but you know, we we take advantage of that gray area and 3710, right? To yeah, to get stuff done and, 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 and do it safely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: I've had two DIW rescues in my limited Coast Guard Ooh. career and neither of them were anything like we trained. One of them was a DIW of a boat that was at anchor so it was spinning around the anchor while it was also doing 360s around itself (laughs) (laughs) and then the other (laughs) one was to the bow you know I did a DIW to the bow of a fishing boat that had a mast that was three feet back from the the actual bow of the ship so good lord yeah it was just you know like I think that's what's um, so good about what we do or you know I, I haven't seen too many situations where coast guard aviators have gotten into where they haven't been able to figure something out right yeah and i think uh it's a testament to uh our crm and just the discussions that we can have as a team right and like no idea that's coming from the back or no idea that's coming from the front is just thrown out the window and said "Nap." that's that's no good, right right yeah. or at least that's what you hope right
2: yeah you listen yeah. to
0: each other and, and come up with those good ideas
2: yeah. absolutely. I yeah. mean, if if you think about it, you if you're flying around with a couple of experienced guys or even a couple of new guys, you might have 10, 20 years of experience behind you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you take advantage? I'm not smart enough to come up with everything on my own. I I got to get other people's ideas. Oh, and yeah. And so much sure. of it
1: is like it's not necessarily what you've done or what you've seen, it's what you've heard, you know? Someone's going to Oh, gonna, yeah. two tours from now be like, "Oh, I was stationed with this this pilot one time that an indirect deploy to the litter. What if we tried that? And then everyone's gonna be like, oh yeah, sure, yeah. let's do it, you know? Because, oh yeah, I heard it, or it was done one time.
2: You guys, I would be remiss if I didn't call out that you guys are like talking about a great safety culture right now, right? Like, yeah. That well, one of the coolest things I, I heard at FSO school was um, your safety officer should be the unit's historian. Like you should be your units aviation historian. That's a
3: good, yeah, that's a good point. And I just,
2: I loved that um, because it's exactly what you're talking about. Like I, we're not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes or come across all the situations, but if we can share all this stuff and again, like the good wardroom culture, the good hangar deck culture of talking about this stuff, good and bad too. Like, Hey, I, I gooned this up and I really wish I had done something different. Maybe that's what you remember and you try something else, you know? So
3: yeah. Well, and it gives some credence to, you know, you go through a P course and get some of these outrageous, and I'm talking to three people that got to create the scenarios for oh, P yeah. courses and Amazing. Uh, simulator Amazing events. Amazing scenarios. But mm-hmm. you, sometimes you look at those and go, wow, that's unreasonable and never going to happen. And then you start hearing about all these SAR cases where just crazy shit happens. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, all right, not out of the realm of possibility, that outrageous situation that I got during my P course. Um, and the last
1: time I want to be surprised by something like that is when I'm already stressed out with somebody bleeding in the back of the aircraft. I'd rather be stressed out in the sim Mm -hmm. when it's just my buddy failing all the engines and having me be on fire shooting an ILS that I don't think that I should be shooting right now. (laughs) So
3: I actually have one. Uh, I have a SAR case not as harrowing um, as that one where we had no positive outcome. We went out, we searched for a while and then uh, came back. But I remember at one point during this case as uh, we're on top of the clouds and we eventually have Tower call back and say, "Glide slope just went out ten minutes ago, and it's our last precision approach at Home Plate, and we've been flying for like three hours." And I remember thinking, I looked over at Craig Campbell, who's now down at the branch, and I was like, "This is yeah. what happens in the in the simulator," yeah. and uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, so that evening, we launched on—I uh, don't even remember. I think it was like two overdue swimmers mm-hmm. uh, in the city of Point Judith, Rhode Island. And so we did IFR on the way out to a point in space, did an uh, IMC letdown and uh, got down to about 200 feet over the water. It was at that point that I didn't realize the uh, temperature inversion that we took note of on the way up was going to bite us in the rear end on the way down in the spring. So. We got down to 200 feet over the water and fogged up everything. Didn't turn windshield uh, anti-ice on. So we had what uh, a few other pilots have had in their career, I'm sure more than a few, where you fog up in your IMC, but it's actually not that bad out. And so you're freaking out up front, but the guys in the back are like, whoa, it's not terrible. So we didn't break out until about 200 feet over the water, but we ended up um, not doing ourselves any favor by forgetting the windshield anti-ice. So we get the windshield anti-ice on fly around a bit more and then realize like, no, where we're going is actually that bad. So we're in and out of the clouds at 200 feet searching for, uh, like I said, I think it was two overdue swimmers. Uh, we search for a while then eventually have to get um, picked up again at that point in space. We had pre with ATC. Hey, we'll let you know before we start climbing in the same position. And uh, that was seamless, really unremarkable. And I forget how many search patterns we do, but we start heading back to Cape Cod. We already knew Nantucket, uh, ILS was out of service. That was another one that got us down really low over the runway. I believe, uh, it was probably the one with the approach lighting system where you can get down a hundred feet over the runway. Mm. And for those of you that have flown at Cape Cod, we have an ace in the hole. It's the copter ILS runway two, three, that just automatically gets you down to a hundred feet over the runway. Yeah, kind of like Humboldt has yeah, a very
1: similar copter ILS that brings down to a hundred feet. It's it might be it's like awesome. 115 now or whatever. So we it, but
3: It's money. I've used it uh, a handful of times where I'm actually (laughs) shooting it to men's. um, And you're just like, yep, that thing is great. So that one was out. So now we're shooting just the, um, the standard ILS, the 200 feet. We got approach lighting systems. We should be good. So that's what we're getting ready to request on our way down. We know one of our other outs at Nantucket Mm -hmm. is no Bleno. Um, we were certainly not at like minimum fuel, but we were like, Oh, we don't have too many attempts. We can't just be sitting here shooting approaches. Um, the sun had just started to rise, so those benefits of having the approach lighting system at night st- were starting to diminish. And then uh, we we essentially got the request in through approach. Approach is like, "Yep, yeah, Roger. Expect that. We got you on vectors. We'll hook you up." They switch us over to tower, and tower immediately goes, "Glide slope just popped out." That was <sighs> our last ILS at the. Uh, at home plate, oh, and I remember I just like looked over at Crag. I was like, "This is what happens in the freaking Like <laughs> This doesn't make any sense. Who's um, running the show here?" Yeah, and, and then so they kick us back to approach or like stay your intentions. Like give give us a minute here, so we talk as a crew. We're like, "Hey, we went another IMC letdown in uh, Vineyard Sound, and we picked up a low vis route on the way back in." Yeah, uh, so no positive outcome. You know, we didn't get to do the the King's business that night, but we got to bring. uh, Four lives saved from the helicopter back to home plate, which is yeah, pretty I nice. Think those th- are the first the ones. I've I think we should all be worried about. Yeah, yeah. to be honest, yeah.
2: that's my pride. I mean, that's those are the ones I'm most worried about. And then anything ancillary is great, mm-hmm. but got to yeah. got to bring everybody back.
3: Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah ancillary that's, is also that's not a
3: word. It's like smad poo. It's smad yeah, poo. Smad so. oh oh poo. Ancillary. Those Jane's got. What does Eldridge mean again?
2: <laughs> 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 you guys are just mad because I know what things mean and I can say words. You're no, clearly smarter than all These of us. These are smarter. from the Knuckle daggers you were throwing <laughs>
4: earlier
0: today. <laughs> yeah. Now daggers. we're all
2: turning on you. Uh, for our listeners at home, everyone is very delicate in this room and cannot handle. Yeah, that it's is only,
0: It's only one listener and she's in New York. Mom, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> we were talking about nice. pranks though the other day and
1: we had to move all of our stuff out of the gymnasium over to Astoria. so we piled all of our stuff on top of Sam's Pelican case. Oh, nice! I guess he was the second go. He
0: showed up for the flight, and it was like it was he like and <laughs> <pelican> <laughs> cases, <laughs> and it was just Jango. I on moved top one thing, and the entire thing fell on me. It was like six Pelican cases fell over. <laughs> oh, it's a interesting report. you bring that because I, I feel like there's a lot of comedy in uh, in the aviation community, right? Oh, yeah. I think we play a lot of jokes on each other. Hopefully. Um, Yeah. I I don't know if, uh, if you do that in the 60 at all, but one of my favorites, if I got somebody who goes and lands at the same spot on an ROL with me, or if I'm like passing the aircraft off to somebody else, you know, I'll just... Buckle all the seat belts down as tight <laughs> as they can go, move the yeah. seat all the way
2: forward,
3: pull the pedals all the way in.
2: I need to start doing that. I'm not I d i am not much of a jokester with with that. We start start pilot- parking
3: at spot four when you're hot seating. Just park oh, as far away yeah. as possible. Oh, that's and just, a good one. Yeah. That one people can get upset about. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we also have yeah, we get upset easily, don't we?
3: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think all the spouses of pilots realize that. I'm like, wow. Must be nice to be, get that upset and worked up about something and just <laughs> your world to be that great. <laughs> uh, I told Jen when I got picked up for flight training, I was like, you're gonna watch my behavior. Cause I was used to puking my brains out on a cutter for two years and working on minimal oh sleep. Gosh. Just All embrace the, time. the suck, you know? Yeah, I remember uh, our commanding officer, a phenomenal individual, was pushing law enforcement present uh, presence, a fellow boarding officer over here. By oh, the way. yeah. Uh, and we would do, it was not uncommon to do like 10 boardings a day, just recreational boardings, nothing crazy. And then like catch a quick two or three hours of sleep and then stand watch and then catch another quick two to three hours sleep. And I was just used to that like all the time. And then Mm. that does not fly, uh, in this community for, for good reason. But does it, does it fly? I like Ooh. that. Hey, oh, there you go. like that. That's mm-hmm.
0: good. Uh, both yeah. of you have experienced flying in the snow, because uh, you had snow up in Alaska, right, yep. Jane? And then obviously you had snow in Cape Cod. That's a great it's question, Sam. Yeah. yeah.
1: Is there snow in Alaska? Thank you. <laughs> that wasn't my question, but
0: thank you. <laughs> thank you for clarifying for my mom and you. Well,
3: for the record, you're the one supposed to be answering the, or asking the questions right now. Yeah, yeah he's, just right. He's, he's just trying. He's just spitballing. He's I'll doing his own. doing the heavy I'm lifting. i throw him out here, yeah.
0: Um... Snow yeah, have you. It's a ha- thing. Yeah, have you had any experiences doing sarcases in the snow? What's that like? Uh landing, flying through, you know, the Star Wars, basically. I feel like you just everybody knows driving a car in the snow, like it's everything's rushing past you and you can't really see anything.
2: Yeah, I um no like real good snow sarcas well, that's not true. Uh so yeah, so the Star Wars effect that you're talking about. Um, Alaska was the first place ever where uh, you know, you flip the goggles down, and they—they they kind of are worse than just not going through the goggles because you flip them down, and you can—you get that Star Wars effect, and then you start getting just disoriented. Um, and so, to flip the goggles up and have it be better at night was sort of a new revelation to me, mm-hmm. um, and that was something that I tried to actually uh, teach teach my students in ATC. Um, was that like goggles are great until they're kind of not, and they're not this like.
3: And they're very not great.
2: Yeah, yeah. right. And 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 when they're not great, yeah, they're really bad. And so like uh, use them as long as they're better than what you're doing, but like they're not, just because you were flying at night does not mean that you need to have them down, right? Yeah, I
0: wonder if the white phosphorus goggles are worse in the snow than the green ones.
2: Sicus is that, I shouldn't say sitka as they are. So I was able to do the Sitka visit in April before I PCS'd, um, and that was one of the feedback that we got from them was mm. like, hey, you know, I don't, I forget where, where did they kind of test out the white phosphorus? Was it like Elizabeth city? Hitron
1: did a lot yeah, of So Hitron, right? Better. So About all the low light, the no snowy light
2: peaks of Hitron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sitka said, Hey, like in, in the snow, these are terrible. You don't have the contrast. You can't tell where the land ends and the sky begins, I guess. Um, so that was kind of an interesting thing. So apparently in the snow, it's, it's a challenge. It's yeah. Besides
0: putting your goggles up, how do you work through that? Uh, flying in those conditions, I've never flown in snow. I'm just curious. Um, is it all instrument flying? Are you at at that point?
2: Yeah, and and being really a helicopter, like especially or? up in Kodiak in Alaska, you're you're at 300 feet over the water. I mean, you're not going high. Um, I know. So in the in Cape, back at the Cape, if I could say that, um, I'll, I'll allow it. Thank you, thank yes. you. Uh, I know, like the super cooled liquid drops. That's something that you guys deal with up there. That I feel like, oh not, yeah, yeah, not that oh, it's sleek? unique to Cape Cod, but I just uh, know that I mean, that's like a big. It's not well.
3: I'll let you. So the yeah, were it? you at pilot training last week? We were just talking a little bit about this.
2: I was at MRM training. Oh, nice.
3: Yeah, must be nice you to call just here in front of millions of listeners. Yeah, yeah. I, was, uh, I missed
2: pilot training <laughs> to be at MRM yeah. training.
3: Listener of one of one. Just Sam's mom. Of Sam's mom is going to know uh, I wasn't there. <laughs> believe it or not, there's SLD at um, five thousand. There's a big pocket right over the uh, it was just north of the airfield, like Elwaco. That sounds hideous. Um, yeah, week, SLD like stands for super cooled, large droplets. Um, so there's super cool liquid droplets, which is all icing is made of super cooled liquid droplets, right? Otherwise, uh, that droplet is already frozen mm-hmm. and it's going to bounce off its ice. You know, it's flying in, uh, maybe not hail that would be bad, but flying in snow, not as bad as flying in super cooled rain. That's going to adhere to a uh, cold surface immediately. So with super large droplets, the problem is Uh, If it's a small droplet and it hits, um, you know, a super cooled surface, it's going to freeze immediately. And so the area on the airfoil or the whatever, you know, structure uh, you're looking at, it's going to be pretty isolated, that individual droplet. And obviously there's, you know, thousands of droplets that are hitting the aircraft at any given point. With larger droplets, they hit the droplet point that is touching the aircraft freezes immediately, but the rest of it doesn't freeze right away and it starts skimming past uh, due to the wind resistance and it can go past the heating element of a, of a blade or uh, an engine mm-hmm. inlet, uh, depending on how it's designed. So
2: The, the de-ice element. You guys know what de-ice. that's like. Oh, no,
3: definitely. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so SLD definitely uh, not something to mess with. I'm yeah. pretty sure if you dig into aviation weather uh, they eventually talk about like, yeah, there's no aircraft that Can fly through SLD. Um, So, not something to uh, tread lightly on. You see Um, that in a
0: METAR or a TAF or something?
3: You look at aviation weather icing forecast, um, and they have a current, they have a SIP and a FIP, a current icing product and a future icing product. Um, And it's just like your turbulence forecast. It has hours all the way out to like 18 hours and it has different altitudes. If you look at turbulence, you can see you can change that by weight Mm -hmm. because turbulence is dependent on the weight of the aircraft, right? Severe for a 737, not the same as severe for a 152 uh, out there with icing. It's not that simple. Um, It's so funny because Luke again gave great icing training. Um, He he
2: did. I was, I was actually texting him. He was my oncoming copilot and I was like, Hey man, we're in the wardroom because I got pilot training going on. So come brief. And yeah. then he shows up like five minutes later. He was like, I was giving pilot training. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: Oh, sweet. I'm the pilot now. Again, <laughs> look at me. Again uh, Jane's not at pilot training. Got it.
3: There's a <laughs> theme here. <laughs> multiple so times. Everyone's clear. a theme here. Just shirking We pilot got a tally duties. over here. Uh, so anyway, the, the future icing product is great to look over your duty period. You can look at different altitudes. It's a lot more ambiguous in how you're looking at that because it, it'll have trace light, moderate uh, heavy, and then mm-hmm. SLD, and it's a red hash. So it's super bright. Red is usually bad. Yeah, um, That's so interesting. fly yeah, that s-
0: through that. It's so interesting you say that because from a 65 mentality, um, and I, I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm assuming other people do this as well. We look at the overall chart on aviation weather, mm-hmm. right? And it's like well, icing layers at 3,000 just don't go up to 3,000. Like, because oh, we, we don't have any de-icing capability. Yeah. So it's just like, don't go there. That's very much the 60 really the mentality as well, though. Yeah, like, so I, don't I've never, I never even knew you could dive that deep into icing.
3: Right, and there's different modes of thoughts, and we were talking about this as a wardroom, and I've definitely heard about it or heard the conversations at other wardrooms from pilots much senior to me with much more experience flying in icing conditions. I've done it a half dozen times, and all of it was only ever trace. I didn't even think I got to light. So um, really wasn't a problem. None of it was SAR related. Um, that said, you can really dig into this stuff where like if you have stratiform layers, then you know you're usually, you know, like your best out is changing altitude. And we talked a little bit about that the other day. I forget who brought it up. Might've been Jason Joel. Uh, if it's like uh, cumulus clouds in, in a system coming on, then you know it's just lateral separation. Climbing might not help you. Um, and if you talk with any of the Royal Canadian Air Force guys, they they think about this early and often. They also have the Cormorant. Uh, I think
0: they can de ice anything. Probably. Oh my gosh.
3: Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. may rated for SLD. I have no idea. Yeah. But There's I've like heard eight engines, crazy, yeah, yeah, crazy stories about what they're <laughs> capable of. But they think about icing a lot and how you get away from it very quickly. And uh, I think the old pilot adage of where's your out, mm-hmm. um, like rings true. I've heard that from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, got to think about it. Absolutely. But we'd yeah. get SLD at a thousand feet sometimes on Cape Cod. And so you were committed to, there was no like, IFR on your way out. You're like, yeah. we're on the low-vis route on our yeah. way out. Um, and those things are pretty, they're pretty awesome. Low-vis routes, not as great as the one here at Astoria, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion, because you're over water until there's a runway right there. Um, but they'd get you out um, through most weather conditions. So
1: yeah, I've had to use this low-vis route a handful of times already. Yeah. It's yeah. Definitely yeah. a good one. It's great. Get you oh. in there.
3: It's great. I really like it
2: how there's this like four, this four-mile final spot where it's like kind of a go-no-go where you still have the nice mm-hmm. big left turn to get mm-hmm. away from it. I haven't had to use it operationally yet, but I've flown it a handful of times.
0: This is a completely different tact of questioning right now. Nice. So, hot we, weather flying. We all, yeah, up. we're going into <laughs> hot weather flying. No, <laughs> we all know that uh, the 65 is getting close to its service life, right? So, you know, New Orleans is, is switching, Puerto Rico just switched, and yeah. then like I think Kodiak's going to go gonna and so on tonight. and so forth. Yeah, I know. Nah. Um, Anyways, so... Come to the dark side. With that being said, let's just say we could flip the scales completely. Let's say the 60 was the aircraft that was no longer with parts this is a completely <laughs> terrible scenario because this would never happen. Because yeah. every, what a hypothetical. Know, it's a great hypothetical, yeah. right? Let's say the 60 was you the one. You can't
3: self-proclaim and- that your hypothetical
0: is a great hypothetical. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> hypothetical. Well, I mean, you can do that, but I sure. just did. So I yeah. agree. Yeah. Okay. I'm a host of this podcast. Okay. Like, I you're can do whatever right. I want. Yeah, exactly.
2: His, his mom has told him that he can do <laughs> that. Yes, thank you. Our
0: one See, listener. You are, you are getting the idea of the one listener. <laughs> thank you. Don't trust her. So let's just say you, you, everybody was destined to switch to 65s. Okay. You're flying a there was much super powerful and aircraft. And in right. Yeah. You're flying a super powerful aircraft, super capable, but something happened. We don't have any parts anymore. <laughs> what were your feelings about having to switch to fly 65s?
3: Oh,
2: it'd be such a mental shift.
3: So I'm, pretty simple-minded about this i'd, I'd do it 100 percent. i mean our missions are our missions and we're doing the same missions in slightly different weather environments right I and mean, we pick up a different number of people but we're still picking up people that are in distress so um i remember thinking about applying for airframes outside while we were at south whiting field while i was down there with you sam mm-hmm. and uh i just remember thinking uh Well, one, I had been to the Sikorsky manufacturing plant and was just so impressed. And I wasn't considering aviation at the time, but it was just phenomenal to see what they were doing Mm -hmm. down there and the product and the effort and the attention to detail uh, from an engineering standpoint. Um, But I remember distinctly thinking in my infinite wisdom as a student pilot at South Whiting Field, um, there's probably a whole hell of a lot more pilots that were in a 65 that came back on a dark and stormy and wished they were in a sixty. Then vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a below average pilot with a moderate work ethic, let's do the 60 where I don't have to worry about <laughs> torque all the time, <laughs> right? So um, that's my stance on it, but yeah, I'll go fly the 65 if that's what we had to do. Yeah. No,
2: can I can no I throw in a two-line story only because it really reminded me of that? Oh. Um, so in flight school, I, same deal, I was looking at where to go and I actually just put down all West Coast units. I, <clears> I wasn't worried about 60 care. or 65, no, but go. my, um, My instructor in primary actually for the T thirty four C Turbo Mentor, which Mm. you guys probably didn't fly, um, was a prior sixty guy. And the Hawaii mishap, um
3: Which one, the six fifty threes? Oh, the six five oh
2: five. Oh five, thank you. Um, I will forever remember my instructor saying, you know, if that had been a sixty, it would have chewed that hoist cable up and kept going. Mm -hmm. And uh that's I say that stuck with me cause I still remember it. I was put in for units and I still chose right. West coast. You're be saying fine. you had a
0: scared straight moment. A little bit. Yeah.
2: A little bit. Okay. Go on. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, for myself, like I, I got, I got to do a 65 fam in Kodiak, which was like a ton of fun. I flew with Dan Schrader. Um, I dude, got you
1: diet for like a week and a
2: half beforehand. Dude, They like, had to put me on the <laughs> scale. <cut away. laughs> they had to put me on the scale. I cried a little bit. It was embarrassing. uh, My favorite, these guys have heard this story before, but, uh, you know, I showed up, I was smart enough to not show up with my helmet bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in Kodiak, right. We go everywhere with like an overnight bag. I didn't show up with that. I did show up with a coffee cup and I said, well, where's the cup holder? (laughs) And (laughs) they laughed at Dan laughed at me. Fair enough. Uh, so I climb in, uh, I have actually a SAR case in a 65. Wow. Uh, so we land, I will forever remember this. We land on the ramp at, at Kodiak after my fam, which was a lot of fun. Uh, But they won't let you touch the controls below 500 feet, which I felt like was a little like, I mean, I get you don't want me to land, but like below 500. Like, come
3: on. You know, the pedals are backwards, right? Everything was backwards. Oh, speaking of which. So they've
2: got this ridiculous switch. I'm sorry. It is ridiculous switch for the radios. And you remember (laughs) up, up and away in in flight school. Never heard of it. That's a a T-31. So in in the T-34, you did up switch up up and away was out Mm -hmm. for tower, and then inside was internal comps well it's backwards so
1: law of primacy really oh
2: my god (laughs) I was trying to be like I'm like I'm a pilot I could be helpful I was not helpful I was telling maintenance our takeoff plans and I was telling tower about I it was awful um so that that was rough but anyway we land and then uh you know we get this call that they're like hey we want you to go take a look at this like Possible derelict, possible sarcase, whatever, like two minutes that way. Well, we've got like 250 pounds of gas. Good to go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, like we're about to flame out. Like this is not happening. And Dan goes, Dan goes, yeah, yeah, we can go look at that. What's happening (laughs) right now? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, oh, I'm yeah. So I'm bouncing all over. I'm a terrible guest. So the coffee cup story, Dan told me he could he could show me where to put that, which I thought was very funny. Which is on the
3: floor. Just
2: on the floor. Yeah. Don't kind of yank it too yeah.
3: much. We actually got larger coffee, no, not the coffee big cup old. holders, l- uh, larger cup holders installed on the aircraft a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's like, hey, we need to be able to, you know, we pack can take more water, more mm-hmm. weight. Do either of <laughs> yeah, yeah. you
0: have a story of uh, being weight limited in the sixty? Have you ever, have you ever had that happen to you?
2: Uh oh yeah. Uh, mainly for me, mainly what comes to mind is external loads, Aton stuff. Mm. Okay. Um, so just, you know, needing to take X amount of gas and then needing to burn it down so that you can take X amount of weight.
0: How much can you uh, pick up with your cargo hook in the 60?
2: Uh, I mean, it's rated to 6,000 pounds. Okay. Uh, Oh, funny story. Actually, I, I did a Aton mission down in Very near, interesting near North bend and we go in and pick up the load. <clears throat> They're like, this isn't working. They're like, Hey, um, you, you guys have a different cargo hook than the 65.
4: Yeah.
3: Update. We, we, we do. Oh, yeah.
2: And they go, yeah, this was rigged for a 65. This isn't going to work. Because <laughs> I guess the North Bend 65 broke and they couldn't do whatever they needed to do. But anyways.
0: Good to know that we can pick up eight ton. Yeah.
2: That's Apparently. That's pretty cool. So that's, that's, I mean, that weight limited, that's what comes to mind for me, yeah. Berto. I don't know about. One
0: pilot. One yeah. plebeik, no gas. I mean, it, <laughs> it's funny because we, everybody knows the 65 community, Nat's ass, the weight. And, right. And yeah. right, well, if we're picking up a survivor and we ask the swimmer how much do they weigh, and they ask that individual and they're like, I, I weigh 200 pounds and the swimmer calls back on the radio. And is like, no, that's 260 pounds. Like oh, that, yeah. that 60 yeah. pounds makes a big difference for us. Yeah. Um, do you guys even care or do you just like not? Too, Everyone is do you even, add, do you even add the weight to everyone's your 200 payload pounds in the 60 community. Everybody's 200 pounds. Okay. So you just two extra 200 pounds. Good to go.
3: Yep. We are, obviously yeah. there's pilots that are less than that. Right. Um, yeah. and sometimes you have just, the world's largest aircrew, And you're like, yeah, we might be a hundred pounds off right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, you were, um, you were showing me yesterday that a hundred
3: pounds doesn't make or break us. Right. Yeah. Where it matters is when you max bag. Okay. So if you max okay. bag, then you, then we'll start actually paying attention and you actually can get out of longitudinal center of gravity limits uh, aft. And so you may have to, I've had two cases where I've been max bag where excess gross weight on deck waiting to take off. Um, and then you will move your flight mech rescue swimmer up to a troop seat to move that CG a half an inch forward, so that you can take off. Wow, that's fascinating. So, you Is it
0: you know, the aircraft doesn't tell you that you just feel it, or do you have a? I, oh, I wish it I could feel you that. that. Are you kidding me? Oh, really?
2: Yeah, yeah we have excess GWT
0: yeah.
2: as an you. advisory. That's yeah. really cool. you guys, Nine you, times out of 10, it means you did some stupid button pushing thing and you. Right. You right.
1: input it similarly to the Echo, I believe, where you have zones that you can put the weight we in. We have right. the
2: same, my understanding, and I've seen the same. Echo once, we've got the same button pushing. You That's have awesome. one MFD less than us, so yeah. we have
1: five. I'm convinced that it's a grand plan to make all the 65 pilots 60 pilots is just you know what when you, you know if we, if we learn cast then that's going to make the transition course about three that's a legit, shorter like learning <laughs> yeah. cast
3: yeah. is a bear
2: no that's oh, definitely a, a bear. monster so i was in atc when we transitioned barinkin mm-hmm. and i can tell you 100 your your two big problems with the 65s coming over the 60 is the button pushing which fair enough yeah. right and then i have to tell you guys like it's okay you can pull some power Like this little, this gentle, like, no, Put it back. back like you can pull over 40% torque. It's totally fine. And like, literally like on the max, max P takeoffs, those are really fun to show us. To Sam's
1: point too, of like just Nat's asking everything. We were just slow walking out to the aircraft the other day and Kevin Riley was like, Hey, are you guys delayed? And I was like, no man, I'm just trying to show up at the pad at the exact on scene time so that I can take off with the exact weight and get into hoisting with at exactly 9,200 pounds. And I was on the pad three seconds late. We were at the hoisting area, like 10 pounds overweight. And I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah, maximized but like, I had like done the yeah. math to yeah. just maximize that. But then yeah. also I tried to take off at a lot A and it was a Backfire. struggle bus. And I barely got out. And then I turn around and see the 60 just like, do, do,
3: do, 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 bye. They did that on purpose because you were watching. They 100% did. Yeah. You were going to say something about Weight and balance. And no, your, I your was. Mom just, wants to hear about. I was it. just.
0: I was just looking at you, uh, thinking about pulling power in the sixty, and you cracked me up the other day because you're like, "We don't pull power like normal people do with the collect- uh, collective. We actually put our arm underneath and yeah, yeah, shoulder. Yeah. We, <laughs> shoulder <press. laughs> we shoulder press. What Alex does PJ
1: call you your collective?
2: The Sikorsky rescue handle. There. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you, you, PJ Johansson.
3: Pilots working out like sixty pilots, and they're just doing like left arm shoulder presses, and you're like, "Oh, they'll get to the right side, and they don't. So yeah, it's for the collective. That's like, exactly. PJ. He also
1: calls the 65, a uh, $25 million wind sock. <laughs> so, you always okay. know which way the That's wind great. is. I, yeah.
3: flew,
2: <laughs> I flew in the Bahamas with PJ after hurricane. Dorian. Wish I could remember Dorian. Yes. I was out there a lot too. Of them were you out there? Yeah. So bombing we, around the 65 in negative two minutes. Bingo. <laughs> I could not ask for a better guy to fly with than PJ. That was fantastic. So we show up on scene. We hear We get this call that the 65 is going to take out X amount of people. They can't take everybody. So they need help. Great. So we're, we're there and uh, we're sort of circling behind the 65 and he, and he's in a ball field and he goes, actually we're, we're min min gas. We got to go. And uh PJ like, Hey, best wind sock in the best wind indicator in the world. The 65, we know exactly <laughs> where it's coming from.
3: Absolutely. And we're really not, sensitive, to find it.
2: not the first time that I've used you guys as a wind indicator. I'll tell you that. No.
3: <laughs> Why wouldn't you? There's also where, where you're doing a time to relocate items where I it can mm. get you, where you really want to be paying attention And it's not just the actual lifting of the weight, but it's like now you're, you have the load on the aircraft necessitating a a lower fuel state to have a safe torque margin. And then you also need to go somewhere else with the added torque for cruise. And Mm -hmm. I've had that twice where it's like, Oh, you need, you actually need to pay attention to this a little bit, not to the level that you all are doing it. If it's stuck uh,
1: in the mud or something like that, do you have to like, is there the stickiness of it? We should
2: be aware of our torque limits every time we fly, right? We're joking around a little bit, but like we, we know. So uh, that's something that we're always paying attention to when we pull in, and if you mm-hmm. get to that point where it's like, "Hey, I, I should be in a ten foot hover yeah. and I'm not off dead," that deck, spidey sense is then of going off. yeah, there's something yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that actually, that actually happened to me. Kind of talking about P core scenarios, you know, um, doing aton again up in Alaska, we were taking off these big um, towers off the beaches, off the sandbars that had these big feet in them, and so these flat, like round feet, and so the the aton guys would would bury those, and that's how they would stay up all when all all summer then the wintertime we'd take them back in and it was like P course scenario where like you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling you get to that torque. We're not off Nothing's deck yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they had, they just hadn't uncovered it enough, mm. but wow. I felt, felt very P yeah. yeah.
0: I, I uh, can remember um, when I started at San Francisco standing duty, you know, I, I packed a decent amount of things uh, in case we got stuck somewhere. Yeah. And obviously. now, now I have moved on to, if it doesn't fit in my helmet, I don't bring it in the that's plane. It? Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just like <laughs> a, <laughs> that's the rule. <laughs> oh, indicator no, of somebody who doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mind sleeping in their dry suit so or I do the same thing. I okay. do not what? carry an extra bag with yeah, me. Yeah. I didn't that's know awesome. if like in, in the, the aircraft, 60 cause it know, doesn't that's good. I just that's, don't. Cause you yeah, literally oh can throw a go bag of a hundred pounds if you wanted to like yeah. So I talked about packing food for 24 hours.
1: I oh, mean, I don't yeah.
2: go anywhere without food. I, would I would have you a snack in a
1: dry you suit. suit. Oh, I mean, Almost I've got a cliff bar yeah. that's I think two years old in my dry suit. Oh yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. But I, for whatever reason I did it for a while. I, I have, there's no logic behind this decision. So I'll take all the <laughs> stones that you'd like to throw at me and your mom can throw them at me as well. And it's She's like, I just walk out wearing a dry suit and what's in my helmet. And that's like a knee board, an iPad and uh, a water bottle.
2: Let's yep. go. You'll yeah, you'll do that until go? the first time you got to spend the night somewhere else. I have. Oh, already? Oh, yeah. And you still yeah. do this? Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> the
0: dry suit undergarments are comfortable for sleeping in. And I the dry suit can fall up into yeah. a nice pillow.
3: Now, oh, when, when it may change, so we would have, uh, we'd be in flight suits when it was super hot on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? So here I don't think that's going to happen. So I could see where if I sweat through something, I'm not going to want to like I'm going to feel miserable. Want to get a shower and like sleep in something different, but when it's freezing. Yeah. I really haven't had a problem the handful of times I've mm-hmm. stayed overnight somewhere. Now everybody's going, "What's up with this yeah. sanitary habits?" Yeah. <laughs> oh. <Ugh. laughs> a lot of other
0: questions that we have for yep. you now. I think
2: it's all depending on where you're at, right? So like Kodiak, I went everywhere. Everywhere. Every trainer you had an overnight bag with yeah, like, absolutely. and because you weren't even landing at like where there was a hotel, even right? right. Like there might be that a makes way more sense, and it absolutely. would be inside. But you and and I, I went to uh, I went places where I got stuck for two, three, four days. So what goes in the bag? Oh yeah, lots of underwear and socks. Okay, because you can like recycle the rest of it.
0: What kind of survival equipment goes in the bag?
2: Oh yeah, big
0: knife,
3: big, a big knife. I think the swimmer.
2: I you know in, yeah.
0: in Alaska <laughs> that's I, usually my go-to
2: bear <laughs> spray. Uh, bear spray. Um, I carried around like four MREs with me. Mm -hmm. Um, cause when I pack my stuff, like, so even now I've got a much smaller bag, right? I'm not, now that we're in the land of like, I can go buy something if I need it, like different, different math. Right. Um, but I do carry enough snacks to share with the crew, uh, which came in handy on the sailing vessel, poor Colton Courtway, He gets up into the aircraft and it's like 20 minutes RTB or not RTB, but back to Portland. And he goes, oh man, I was just really puking my guts out. I puked like five times. I'm like, oh, oh dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so he, so I, I, was able to give him like some food, which that's awesome. Was that's a great
3: I, safety yeah. officer right there. Mm-hmm.
2: I was, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, I was say, like,
3: I feel for you, man. Sorry. Yeah. The, yeah the food. Was, oh my god. Like, I forget <laughs> about that. I got one Werther's in my dry suit pocket, <laughs> and I'm not giving it up for anybody. It's <laughs> a
0: great thing to have on those late night yes. uh, flare search uh, yep. searches where you're and, trying
2: to just stay awake. Yeah,
0: you're just trying to stay yeah. awake. and You can hand somebody something. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's yeah. right. Or you land somewhere that has candy, and you make somebody do the Butterfinger challenge, see how many Butterfingers they can eat in a minute.
2: Oh gosh! Have and then done you that? you can't do that. You have to weigh in before you go flying.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you literally can't eat more than like two Butterfingers.
3: That's not. Na- oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, hold on, that's it? because of your weight <laughs> limits on the sixty-five, or because, no, of the
0: <laughs> because your mouth turns to a desert.
3: Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. oh, okay. So oh, no like liquid. Yeah, it's that's really just challenge. another
0: prank to play on somebody. Yeah.
3: Nice. How is that a prank when you convince them to eat the (laughs) (laughs) butterfingers? Did they just prank themselves, I think, maybe? Yeah. Oh, goodness.
1: Well, we're about an hour into this, so I think that it's time. It did fly past, you know, when you're having fun with good people. But uh, (laughs) I think that we should finish it off with some advice that you guys have gotten over the years uh, that you think would pass on nicely to their younger generation or just other pilots or air crew. we got, you know,
3: millions and millions of listeners. So oh, millions, what millions. would you pass to the younger generation? The
2: youngins. Um, I, I like think I'm still part
3: of that generation. Yeah, are we old?
2: Oh, are I right. am. I'm older than y'all to use a mobile for us. Yeah, I won't
0: ask you your age. Cause that's not that's generally, so
2: <laughs> I'll
4: do
0: your weight if you're getting on the 65. I know. Yeah, I already, you
1: guys already got my <laughs> weight. I will ask that was how much you weigh. I won't awful. ask how old you are, but <laughs> yeah. I won't ask how much We're you not weigh.
0: We're not going to
2: ask personal <laughs> questions like age. Just weight. Uh, what comes to mind, I feel like I do have some advice for people, but what comes to mind is like the answer to every aviation question is it depends. Right? Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of taught to me as a young co pilot growing up, and uh, I've found that to be very true. Um, and I think that that just reminds me that, uh, there's rarely, rarely, if ever one answer or one right answer, uh, cause it, cause it depends, it depends on the weather. It depends on your mission. It depends on, uh, your risk factors. It depends on like, is it a SAR case or is it a logistics flight? It depends on your skill level. It depends on if it's night or day. It depends on if it's winter or summer. And if you guys ever heard this in flight school, like if you have an EP, like wind your watch, or if you have an EP, like take a breath. Mm -hmm. So like, it depends, which reminds me to take that extra second, look at everything and hopefully try to take in the nuances of the situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, even in our community, Ryan, you have a minute, you have two
1: minutes. We had this conversation earlier in the week because like weather and stuff had come in and I was talking to, I think Derek, it was you also just, yeah, we're always tied on gas, but you, you can take 60 seconds to figure your life out. And that's actually
2: a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. In aviation, that's like an eternity, right? Exactly. And 60 seconds is so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, Follow that up, I was taking notes. Wow, another <laughs> <crack of energy. laughs> Follow my great
3: advice. Um, uh, probably two small things. Um, one that was kind of, uh, I guess, a lot of senior pilots exemplified it at an early Uh, I was at an early point in my career, and that's like there's no substitute for flight discipline. I found at various points in my career, sometimes I'll let certain things slip, and I'll catch those things. It's like, no, it's time to button that up, Um, and it's going to happen to everybody. At some point, you're going to go, whoa, I let that get out of my study scan Mm -hmm. for a while. I had something recently where it's like, yep, I need to get that back uh, in the scan, and that's uh, never-ending. right? Like It even takes a certain amount of fuel to keep a rocket in orbit. Like once you get up there, it still requires fuel, just not as much. Um, and then the other one is just be curious. Um, anybody that's studied with me knows I can go down some rabbit holes, but usually it's cause I'm just innately curious about why, uh, certain things happen, um, or the background behind it. Uh, so I think probably just those two things. Yeah. A lot of probably. the best
1: pilots are curious. I like that.
0: Yeah. Good life
3: advice. Yeah,
4: That is good. Nice. I like that.
0: Any other parting shots? About I mean, the, you get it for open net on goal over here. Yeah, in the open net on goal, open net on goal, open net on shot, goal, goal.
3: smad so <laughs> poo. Yeah, I
2: think fuck. I think the lines are lighting up. I think Sam's mom is calling in.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually yeah, have me. a legit
3: question. What is the engine anti ice capability on the Turbo Mechas? Is it anything? Do you trust it,
0: Ryan? Would you like to take this question?
3: Is there an engine anti ice on? Um, it,
0: Nothing yeah, that we turn on. Like we What?
2: There's no. Nothing. You have no. anti-ice though.
0: We have keto heat, heat and, wind and windscreen screen. anti-ice.
2: So you can see when you're and going to fall the after the engines quit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I had, mean, maybe There, there have there's been something... a
1: handful of mishaps of like inlet icing and uh, like a rougher engine. The EP would probably be present itself as like a compressor stall or something like that. Gotcha. You don't other. have
3: an engine anti-ice switch.
1: No. Negative. Stuff. No, nope. some okay. of the other icing okay. mishaps are just the aircraft gets heavy actually, and so it's an increased power requirement due to the weight. Yeah. increase on the aircraft or the camber changing of the, the airfoil
3: and decrease. Not to power. say
0: that there's something inherent in the engine that probably,
3: but not something you're ice. studying that you can influence up in the never read, cockpit. Never in no. the dash one. Wow,
0: that showed my ignorance. Well, I mean, maybe I—it's in the dash one. I mean, I you just, just asked a couple name. ATC guys, a systems question. We're definitely not the best the people, people to ask that. You yeah.
2: should—you guys should ask ATC Mobile about that one. Yeah, yeah. Next well, we'll T we'll student you know. can
0: brief that one. to me.
2: <laughs> Could I? Uh, I actually—I have a question for you guys. you, yeah. you kind of threw it at us about like, hey, Fantasy World sixty-sixty-five. start 60 asking to a lot of questions. Actually, They're yeah. yeah. Turn the tables. Like reverse this interview. Oh, the um. Of turn. What about how do you guys feel? I mean, the inevitability of you guys being 60 pilots at least in the next five to seven to eight, ten years is mm. seems to be pretty clear. Uh how do you how do you guys feel about that?
3: Good idea or best idea, scale of seven to ten. How excited yeah. are you?
2: Seven to eleven, please? It goes <laughs> to eleven.
3: I think that knowing people
1: like you, pilots in the 60 community Aww. that we enjoy hanging out with and we've flown with some like phenomenal pilots here, the other Ahars instructors and stuff, and that gives me a lot of hope because I think that our communities, while we give each other a lot of crap, are going to mesh really well together. And I think that there are things that you guys do really well and things that we do really well and that the bar can get higher for Coast Guard Aviation and kind of DeBerto's point of stagnation. I think that as the Coast Guard, maybe we've gotten to a point a little bit of stagnation and that the merging of the pilot course can really influence and improve. That's great. Um, our rotary wing capability, and uh, so I'm really excited about that. And I'm also excited for all of us to teach you guys about aero and power management and all that jazz, you know. But power, <laughs> power, power what? What? what are
2: the words he's power using? Um, <laughs> management, Ma- yeah, that is French. French. It is that's French. French. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think I'm just inherently excited to learn something new. So 100%. whether it, whether it be it's that curiosity, to 60, like yeah, curiosity so. that Berto was talking right? about.
3: Fly 60, it's great advice that I gave, you know, that Pass Berto gave to I, this conversation. I flew a 144
0: the other day, and it was amazing. It was awesome. I had I've I I flown so, quite a few times in that aircraft. I had so nice, much yeah. fun in that, and, right? And I, like, spent years just not... like I was making fun of it for no good reason, right? Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> Only because... <laughs> so I, mean, you
4: know,
2: I know are doing about that. I it, okay. okay. it's fixed-wing, so that's Only fair. because,
0: you know, we josh each other about being in different uh, airframes, but, man, that's awesome. So I think that right there is is like just being inherently curious wanting to learn something new is really important so that's why i'm the most excited about learning possibly to fly a 60 or fixed wing and then the other thing is there are what there's two units in oh i guess three units in the coast guard where you get to interact with 65 and 60s right there's mobile there's kodiak and there's e-city Am I missing any I think that's it
2: 65s in East City are just ALC right, right so
0: they're just ALC but there are 65 having been
2: there because we didn't there wasn't a whole lot of, okay, there wasn't so, the overlap that ATC and Kodiak had.
0: So probably ATC and Kodiak, right? Yeah, that and would so, be probably, yeah. You know, we all have our own personas and we all have our own stereotypes of each other. And you're like, oh man, 60 people, they're really cold. They don't want to talk to you, blah, blah, blah.
3: Which <laughs> bunch of nerds. It's so dumb
0: because <laughs> we're all realistically the same people. We just fly a different airframe. And I think it's comical that we have this witty or not so witty banner between each other making fun of each other.
2: I have to do, I have to throw out a correction because I'm an idiot. Please. Because I was thinking, oh, Elizabeth City is a 60 unit, ALC has 65. But of course, ALC has both 60. And they do. 65s. Oh, that's true. They do. So that yeah. would be, so those, of course. But they're engineering yeah. nerds.
1: And like, I, I, I know. might be listening. Those guys are big nerds. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> big nerds. But
0: uh, in
1: my I just felt
2: like I had to correct that. Otherwise, people would be like, you idiot. Yeah, and they in would my, be right.
0: I in mean, incredibly long winded answer, right? I think that um, it's not just Ryan and I excited. I think everybody's excited to to jump into something new and I'd be wrong to say there's no 65 pilot out there that wouldn't want more power when they're going out on a SAR case and to have just that increased margin to not have to focus on one more thing while they're flying to effect a rescue is... Yeah, absolutely. And even the cast, like with the Echo,
1: like that has made me feel so much more confident even in the 65 itself with... Those types of capabilities, IFR, and also yeah. just the SA that you have. Yeah. So even that transition going from like Sam's the Delta guy going into the 60 would be phenomenal for our community, I think.
3: Yeah. So two things, one related, one unrelated, if that's okay. Always. I know you eventually have to get yeah. ready to start driving to Portland. <laughs> one don't count on the convection oven in the C-144 warming anything up quickly. Oh, uh, good we know. had a pilot, good info, uh, an air crew that tried to get us, um, Cinnabons warmed up. And like, it was like a two hour flight. And by the time we landed, they were still just mush piles. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, that didn't work out. You want one? No, I'm good. <laughs> very, um, very important. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the second one, I actually have a legit question for ATC people yourself included. Oh no. Speaking um, for ATC. Th- if this falls on its face, then completely omit it from the, uh, uh, from the podcast. But I came across something recently. I forget the author's name, but he was conducting an interview uh, on a random podcast. I listened to called Flight Suit Thursday. No, completely kidding. <laughs> the, but he was talking about training, training periphery, yeah, training peripheral cues. And he was using Formula One drivers as an example. And where they look, is completely non-intuitive. The best Formula One racers are not looking where you think they're looking when their air quotes flying forms within inches of another um, you know, automobile that they're trying to overtake. They're looking past it and they're looking where they wanna be like five to 10 seconds from now to take the next turn. Now, obviously those guys have a track memorized that's a little less dynamic in one axis, but obviously things are happening very quickly. Um, but I wonder, and maybe I just like missed this part or completely, uh, forgot about it during the T course. Like, has there ever been any discussions on how we train periphery for hoisting?
1: I actually had this conversation earlier today. Okay. So I have some ideas
3: on it. I'd (laughs) love to hear, and it's not ideas. It's just things that I've actually tried to do during some of my right seat skills, training flights, uh, during the day flights only. Um, what do you got? What have you all discussed, if anything?
1: Yeah, well, I just had some conversations earlier today, and like with surf training, that relative motion, or now it's called deflection or whatever, of the waves moving under you, and you thinking that you're sliding or trying yeah. to not slide, and so pegging your eyesight on the horizon or on like the jetty in order to see an altitude, and then using your periphery for uh, holding position with the swimmers. Right. But actually, what I talked about with another pilot was. I keep the hoist cable out of the corner of my eye sometimes. If I'm having a, oh. like a really rough day, or if I ha- if I have to move my head more out to the right side at night, you can sometimes see move. at night sometimes when it's a really dark night and I don't have good references anyways, if I can see the horizon with my NVGs, and then I see that hoist cable, if I see it shoot forward on me, I know that maybe I'm drifting or I'm doing something wrong, or I just have a little bit better essay of what the flight mech might tell me to do next. Right. And so that instantaneous, we talk a lot about anticipation, not necessarily moving the aircraft before someone tells you to, but anticipating the movement that the con anticipate what you're going to have to do next, right? Anticipate the rate of motion of the surf so that you can move at the right pace when they give you a left 20. Mm -hmm. But that just knowing having the cable a little bit out of the corner of my eye can help a little bit with me. Building a, a larger site picture. So those were the things that on a surf day today that I had a conversation with another pilot about. Right, that's, right.
2: That's good stuff. We cannot see the cable.
1: No, uh from the too far behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's that's totally different. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous to be honest with you. I would love a a reference out of the corner of my it's, eye there.
0: It's very corner of the eye though.
2: Yeah. But I don't know, mm-hmm.
1: Sam, yeah, if you
0: views that or if I'm No, no. I mean you can yeah. you can Put your left butt cheek as far forward as you can. You can look out the flight Mac door, the entire hoist. It's nice for DIWs too. You can actually look yep. back and I've see
2: done the that. entire boat. Wow.
1: Wow. Yeah, I,
0: yeah I've hoisted out the sliding door before. Yeah, I've hoisted a lot
1: wow. Like that. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, and you guys were telling me uh, on, on the other day when we attempted to do this and couldn't record... Uh, that you were so kind of, an, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that was, <laughs> that was Ryan a Terrible show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys were telling me uh, that you sort of pitied our sight picture out of the 60. And uh, I just had never, not having flown anything else, I never even thought about it. But hearing you guys talk, uh, I pity my sight picture out of the 60. That is something right.
1: that I think that a lot of 65 pilots will struggle with. But, and also, Kyle, to that point of like, I teach a lot of people of just you mentioned it earlier. We train a very specific way. So many times. Yes. Mm-hmm. We also accept bad situations, or not necessarily bad situation, but but less than ideal situations. Yeah, that's true. I need to sometimes. Yeah, I've 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 had pilots. I'm like, hey, get the boat on a different heading. Except more of a right crosswind. Then we're like really leaned over more. Right. Yeah. So yeah. now we've got four four degrees right wing down, and you can see even more when you're committed over a smaller boat. Right. Yeah, that so might you be can, an extra foot. That might be, an extra might be enough, and all that is is just change what you can change about the world
3: around
0: you. Yeah, right. You know? What peripheries do you? But yeah, I want to hear sh- the rest of this periphery. Uh right. Right. so
3: and it, maybe this is just everybody, all the listeners. Your mom will think like he should have never been instructing anybody, <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> and I'll maintain that uh, position. But, um, so think about when we pull into a hover. Nobody's staring at the closest point and being like, let's maintain this position. You are looking out and about, but it's because we have a surplus of visual items and we have context underneath us. But when we get out over a boat, now the ground's moving in multiple dimensions and Mm -hmm. it's not as in fine detail, even during the day, right? And so uh, one thing that I've done is, hey, for this hoist, when things start going well, this is not something you go do on your first, uh, you know, right seat skills hoist, day or night, But again, I've really only tried this during the day is, hey, for this next one, you're doing great. Uh, I'd like you to look two feet in front of the boat the whole time. Don't look at the boat and just slowly work on they're picking up the boat's motion with their periphery. Now, the problem becomes, hey, fixations always in the back of your mind. If they fixate two feet in front of the boat, that's still just as big of a problem in my mind as fixating on an antenna on the boat. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm but the point is just getting them away from staring right at the boat routinely again awesome. and again and again, because I would have a problem early on in my career. I'm sure everybody I flew with probably picked up on it. If you secure a rat out hold, I was zooming down. I was zooming down into that boat um, and not looking up. And what do they tell you? Hey, look up at the horizon. You're going to pick up your lateral motion more than your change of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's easy to demonstrate, you know, during a, a, a pre-flight brief of like, Hey, if I'm, a hundred feet away from you and hold my hand up and start moving it towards you. How soon before you realize I'm moving my, my hand towards you, it's going to take a while. But if I start moving it laterally, mm-hmm. you're going to pick on it, pick up on it very quickly. So that's one thing that I've toyed with. And then uh, another one is just getting uh, the pilot in the right seat to continue like, Hey, I want you to give me some verbal cue every time you look at the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I've tried more and more. And I think it, it hopefully prevents you from fixating Cause when you get stressed you're going to have a stronger tendency to yeah, fixate yeah. on something, which is what's going to get you in trouble. But I think it can probably uh translate to other good habit patterns in the aircraft that just haven't been able to connect the dots. And that's something no, maybe think, for yeah. ATC. I, I see support. it on the or, cliff a lot. Yeah. You yeah. see
1: it on the cliff a lot of people are like, I'm going to keep this rock right here in the windscreen. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. But, Don't stare at at just a rock. Yeah, yeah. I was like, look up at the trees and have different rifle sights down below and up above and everywhere.
2: I remember. So I went to Ahar's out of Kodiak. And in Kodiak, we have a vertical surface training area, but it's, and I don't remember, 90 feet up. And, you know, and so you're just above it the whole time. So when you're hoisting, I'm not looking out and I'm not looking left. I'm looking down because that's Mm -hmm. where my references are, right? So I came to Ahar's and uh, I was just looking through the chin bubble the whole time. And, uh, it kind of reinforced that scan that we, that we just, uh, fall back on. And, uh, I think it was Adam Young was in the right seat and was like, Hey, like, like you can look out and you, and you can look left. And I was like, Oh my You're next gosh, to work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I have references that are, that are not through the chin bubble, but even through the chin bubble and even over a boat, like you were saying, like, it's, you feel like you might be doing well, but you just don't have that enough context, right. Uh, yeah. for that, that cue. So
0: I've, I have taught zero right seat skills, um, but whenever I go, well, me, me too. Yeah, whenever I teach, I, I guess the only example I have is teaching a T course student, and because we take them out and kind of talk about what we
3: look at when we're hoisting, You show them hoisting over we're the water, show them Absolutely. hoisting over the water. We do, right? yeah. so, it,
2: but correct me if I'm wrong, Sam. Like for me, it was, it was just, it was a fam.
3: Oh, and that I is didn't, just a fan.
2: I didn't care necessarily how yeah. they did. It was right. like, hey, we're going to get you over the boat. This is what you're eventually going to uh, do. It's, how you do it. it's, it's a fun yeah. flight. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a fun flight. And mm. it's like also, hey, but what I really care about is can you put in a search pattern and can you do an approach to the water? Yeah. Mm. And so often, like if we would try to uh, get a student out two or three times over the boat and we couldn't make it happen, then we would just do the, over, you know, do the other portions in the sim and kind of move on. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, No, no. not no. to totally hijack, but like that was kind of, it's, it's, it's very not true. like a right seat skills where you're like, you ha- actually have to do this. And now. for that
0: one flight, or even when I was talking about what I look at when I'm hoisting, you know, I am not, I'm hoisting poorly when I stare at the target, right? right. You fly towards it, you oscillate, right? And you need to, ha- I always call it a triangle scan. So you look at your swimmer of the boat, then you look at the horizon you look at internal at whatever it might be right the rat out the heading yeah Yeah. and then every third one will look at the power in the 65 so the other thing you we've got in the 65 that i think is really helpful are digital cues for your periphery as well yep so you get behind a boat and you find out how fast they're going for this hoist and they're going five knots right so if you have a vector i don't know what the 60 has if you have a ground speed vector
3: we, I mean, we have a ground. Displayed. Yeah. It's displayed. But yeah. it's just we can tell which speed. direction we're going. Yeah. yeah. I don't
0: know what the echo is.
1: Uh, it's similar to the 60 with crosshairs. Okay. And yeah. Uh, you have
2: hover bars that you yeah. can put up. And okay. Then, so you got hover the, bars. But and the, and the digital, digital speed
1: of, is still getting the point across that you're talking yeah, about. So yeah. So like you can yeah. match
0: that digital speed. And, it, and the same thing goes with swimmers too, right? So if I am moving faster than two knots when I'm doing swimmer hoisting, unless I'm in big seas. I am moving too fast. Two knots is 200 feet per minute on the hoist cable. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a decent chunk of speed, even though you feel like you're moving.
2: No, that's great. That's a great reference.
0: And I often teach or uh, just say, hey, like I hoist like a grandpa. I move really slow. right?" And I think that is another good thing. Like if you slow things down, then things aren't moving as quickly in your periphery and then it makes it a little bit easier to make those adjustments oh, as yeah. you fly through.
2: It's so. it's hard to think of anything in in a helicopter except perhaps an auto rotation where you have to lower that collective that gets better with a lot of speed, right? Yeah. And then particularly not hoisting, particularly you know, not swimmer work, right? right. Like flybys. Yeah. Like flybys but, you know, it's all small as well. Voice. Flybys. Yeah. So yeah. My so point my stands. My yes.
1: Fly boring. Fly boring, Yeah, and you will be a happy Comfortable pilot. That's right.
3: Say a similar thing. Two words, go fast and take chances. Oh, there you uh, go. And, uh, yeah, pretty much four <laughs> four yeah. right and, and that, that, that is, is the, the message here. that ATC
2: would like to send yes. to the fleet. Go, go for fast up, up, up,
0: Thank you. Uh, Kyle, it's
1: your... I just, I have to get on the road, but whatever. I, I, I love it that this we is, were trying to wrap this up yeah. like 20
2: minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. This did is not totally, let it happen.
1: this is totally uncorroborated. I swear I heard it at some point, have not done the research that I need to do to find it. I heard somewhere at one point that they did a study with a bunch of pilots where they actually tracked their eye movements while they were flying. And they found that the pilots that were the most effective were the ones that moved their eyes the most.
2: Oh, that makes and sense. And so it's
1: fascinating in yeah. that the pilots that are picking up the most visual cues that are trying to just trust the outside environment the most yeah. or just believe, the world that, the most yeah. were the most effective at doing that. And so I'll, te- I'll tell people that of just trust yourself. Look outside a whole bunch and yeah. try to pick up as many cues as possible and then just trust your instincts because... At this point, you can fly the aircraft. Just trust that you know where to put it.
3: Well, and there's there's a great, so the other thing I'll couple up with is like, hey, I can have you close your eye, like look at my hand as a fist, close your eyes, and then I'm gonna hold a certain number of fingers up and I want you to open your eyes as quickly as possible and then close them immediately. And you're gonna tell me how many fingers are there. That's all you need for a route out altitude. Glance in, look back. By the time you look back at the boat, you know what your altitude is and if you're low or high. Practicing that, and doing it as a habit pattern, a lot harder than just talking about, sure. right? Like you want to look and be like, oh, it's 35 feet. And I said, I'd hoisted 36 and a half feet. Good Lord, this is not what I wanted, but- <laughs> That was Sam the uh, other day. He was the I'm worst. a mess. <laughs> yeah. He was like but two feet <laughs> off the whole time. The, the drivers that they were studying, and this was part of a study as, as well, were, they were doing the same thing. They had cameras mounted on their helmets um, in the simulators watching these guys. And what they found is like where they were looking counterintuitive. I don't know that they were also taking into account how quickly their eyes were moving. I'd imagine when you're going 200 miles per hour in close proximity to, uh, you know, other items, you're probably moving. Your My eyes, eyes would a be lot. closed
1: in. I'd be being <laughs> myself. Oh yeah. <laughs>
3: I'd just be
2: crying yep. quietly. Yeah. Yep. But yeah,
1: that's fascinating though. That I'll, to, I'll to look into that. You should send that send that our way.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. This was phenomenal. Oh, this was awesome. yeah, yeah, this is the, so much fun. Thank love you. Love the BS and this is great. Um,
2: can listeners can we enjoy. do it again whether we record this for your mom or not? Oh, uh, yeah.
0: absolutely. I, I would just, sure. I would sit here with some our headphones on my head. And just, upstate New York listener. Yeah. She would love to hear.
3: She's very Perfect. comfortable headphones.
0: All right. Take care, guys.
3: Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.